Welcome to season three of the Yoga Therapy Hour podcast. My name is Amy Wheeler and I'm your host. We are so happy to tell you all that's happening in the world of yoga therapy. And we love to find guests from all over the world so that we can share and learn and grow together. Some of the things that are happening in season three that we find so exciting is that not only are we continuing with the free gift that we are giving out every single week in season two, and you can see more about that in the show notes, but now we are adding a YouTube channel and you can see all of these podcasts on video. The YouTube channel is called Optimal State with Amy Wheeler. Some people like to watch video maybe you want to use it for one of your trainings these videos on youtube will be there for you to use for free we would love your support we have opened up a patreon page that is going to help the podcast flourish and grow you can help us to expand and grow and create more content for you and we'd love for you to visit the patreon page which is called optimal state and yoga therapy hour podcast so let's go into our guest today and please nourish yourself take time for yourself and really relax into listening to the podcast today i interview katie allen of be the change yoga in southern california in orange county and katie is a little firecracker she has so many ideas and so many amazing things that she's doing in this world. She just never stops. She's like a little energizer bunny. And so I'm looking at the Be The Change website for those of you who are watching this on YouTube. It's www.bethechangeyoga.com. And what Katie and I talk about today is this idea of work-life balance, but also what is the vision going forward after COVID? So many of us have had our personal and professional lives completely disrupted by COVID, our finances, our communities. And Katie is using bhavana or visualization to imagine a new future. Imagine what is possible in this brand new world that we're all trying to navigate. So if I were to title this podcast, it would be life during and after COVID and how to find your new groove, your new vision, how to get some ideas about, as Katie says, repositioning sustainably going forward, because without that strategic shift into accepting the new reality and bringing your gifts to make and co-create your new reality, it gets pretty tough out there. It does feel like maybe I'll just go do something else. And most of us are so dharmically connected to this work that we can't go do something else. We have to figure out how to move forward in this new reality. And I can tell you that the students who are in our optimal state year-long yoga professional business development course, they're all struggling to see where their gifts meet the needs of the world, how to do it in a sustainable way, how to find that thing that you're meant to do. And as Katie talks about in this interview, 
what are the steps we can take to get clarity about what am I here to do and how can I move forward post-COVID pandemic? Not that we're out of the woods yet, but you get the idea. We all have to forge a new way going forward and really take a lot of time with tapas, svadhyaya, ishvara pranitana, which is feel that friction and that heat, do self-analysis based on your values and ancient spiritual texts, and then get to work and let go of the outcome because we don't know what's going to happen. And Katie is a master at just that. So I hope you enjoyed this interview. I know I did. And I hope it gives you some inspiration for how to move forward after these really difficult few years in the field of yoga and yoga therapy. Today, I would like to welcome my friend and colleague, Katie Allen. Welcome, Katie. Nice to see you. Good morning, Amy. So wonderful to be here with you. Well, I know you and I have both been very busy and we haven't gotten to talk for a few months. We're both going through accreditation for our yoga therapy school. <laughs> Take a deep breath and exhale okay. right there, Katie. <laughs> you won't breath. go there. <laughs> But what I wanted to start with is this idea that, you know, we're both very busy women. I know your mother, your, how old is your son? Aiden just turned three in July. Oh my gosh. I thought I saw that on Facebook. So that, first of all, time is just flying. But I just wanted to ask you, how is being an entrepreneur with a whole lot on your plate, as we're going to talk about today, how, how are you balancing that with this being that needs you and loves you and wants to spend time and play with you. Oh my gosh. It's definitely a balancing act. And I know for me, having the right structures and practices in place have really served as my anchor points <laughs> to regulate my own energy, to help me fill up my cup so that I can truly be there and hold space for this little human. That's a ball of energy, a ball of emotions. He's just running around and making messes. I mean, it's a lot to manage like this little human, you know, and to, to raise them well. And some of the things that have really helped me are number one, diving into the teachings of Ayurveda. You know, last year I turned 40 and it was like, all right, I'm a householder. I'm a mother. I'm at a studio. We're running yoga therapy trainings with clinical programs. I have so much on my plate how do I nourish myself? And this is the time. This is the time to go deeper into these practices. And I think about going to my, my old teacher, Robert Bernberg's home mm. in Silver Lake and his wife, Eleni is an Ayurvedic practitioner. And just the, the warmth of going into their house where Eleni was like, always had teas and herbs and concoctions and seasonal food. And it's just like, it really built you up from the inside. And I'm like, that's who I want to be. That's who I want to be over the next, you know, 20, 40, 60, how many years left that I have. So diving into those teachings, waking up early, you know, being up at 545, doing the morning practices, the self-care, that's what enables you to actually flow through the day when you're more aligned with the rhythms of nature and really practicing Ayurveda and yoga therapy. I so appreciate you saying that because I think 
a lot of us came into yoga and Ayurveda really wanting to make a difference and ended up getting super depleted and not even able to live our own yoga. So I think it's beautiful that you have this bhavana for yourself or this kind of visualization of not just what you want to do in the world to be of service, but how do you want to feel inside? How do you want to nourish yourself and your family? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Amy, you and I spoke many years ago that I was on a fertility journey for three years trying to get pregnant. And I got pregnant in 2018. So we started in 2015 and I I worked with you one-on-one. And I remember you telling me, Katie, you need to learn to be less efficient. And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? You know, this is, this is what I do. Like I build things and create, and I love it. And there's so much fire and so much energy going out, you know, Pitta constitution. And you told me that I need to kind of build more heaviness, that earth Mm -hmm. energy to do less. And it obviously took me a long time. It took me three years to start to downshift and to be able to kind of let things go by the wayside instead of pursuing them and trying to bring more programs and things to life. But in order to bring something to life inside of you, what type of qualities do you need to have in your mind, your heart, your frequency, and the pace that you move through the world? I always tell women that I'm helping them become empowered to be pregnant, that go at the pace that you will have to go at when you have a child, start that a year or two ahead of time. Why not? You're going to be slowing down anyway. Just kind of get yourself in that groove. So, and you have a beautiful boy. It's <laughs> so fun to watch him grow. And that's, what's also so wonderful is that now I get to live in his world and it's yeah. a beautiful world. It's like a no concept of time, just present, just there. And just like, it's so physical, it's such a physically demanding job, but it's just, it's beautiful. He's, he's on me, he's living on me and the snuggles and the kisses and the, you know, the playfulness and just being mm-hmm. outside of the parks and the sun and the birds and away from your computer or zoom meetings or other things. Like I can't, I can only take so many meetings in a day now. So yep. it's really helped me to find more sustainability in what I do, even when I love what I do so much. Yeah. And especially during these really difficult times of COVID, I know you own a major studio with your partner, Allison Mm -hmm. in Orange County, California. I mean, it's a beautiful space. It's a very large studio and just gorgeous. How did you all manage through COVID? It's another big deep breath. (laughs) Mm. And that's what we do throughout all these challenging things yeah. like IOIT accreditation or running a brick and mortar business or going through these major societal shifts, you know, such as the COVID-19 pandemic. And it was especially challenging for us as a brick and mortar business. The fact that we were closed for most of 2020, you know, we're here in Orange County, California. And so most of the year we were closed, we could open for a little bit and then close and the guidelines were always changing and we were just doing our best um, to make sense of it all, you know, as we all were and, you know, again, being mothers and losing your childcare. And so now we're having to kind of pivot, you know, our entire company with no support. And how I can describe it is when you're an entrepreneur or business owner and you're on your own, you create your own way in the world, your own path. And along that channel, 
you're building your own structures. And there's that, the, the refine, reflect, repeat, refine, reflect, repeat type model. And we have been doing that for, I mean, Allison and I started working together in 2007. So think about 13 years of actually refining and growing and building so much. And then to have all of those structures just wiped away and just gone. And then you're having to rebuild them like this, but without the support, that was, that was the hardest thing going everything virtual, um, moving the trainings virtually. And then the, the opening and closing process was particularly challenging. But I think aside from all that, another factor that most people may not re recognize if they don't own a physical space is that throughout the, the pandemic, you become the kind of the repository for everyone's fears and anxieties. And, you know, our job was to create a safe space to create a welcoming space for anyone to come in, to, to, to manage their stress, to connect with their body, to get out of their homes when we were allowed to be open with limited capacity, social distancing and masking, but we found and temperature checks and, you know, all the, all the things we, we, we replaced so many of our materials. You had to get no touch this, no touch that foggers, disinfectors. I mean, the amount of money spent to actually change your facility to comply with this new world that was quite an investment. And then we found that during 2020 and part of 2021, that there's a wide spectrum of people's perceptions of COVID. And no matter what we did, people were, someone was mad at us. Someone was mad that, you know, it's like, okay, that I don't want to wear the mask or like, I want everyone to, you know, do this or that, or there's too many people or too little people. Or, and so that was hard because now we're just trying to, provide a safe space for managing so much emotional turmoil on top of it. And it's being projected at us. So then oh that my was gosh. The part <laughs> I'm just shaking my head. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize until this pandemic, how, when people are upset just about how life is turning out and how hard it is and how frustrating and how everything got thrown up in the air, they need some place to barf that on. You know, most people are not self-aware enough to be like, whoa, I'm having a hard day. I need to go for a walk in nature and process this. Most people are like, oh, you look like a garbage can. I think I'll blah. <laughs> and I, I just, I'm in shock. I mean, our students have been very, very kind and wonderful, but I'm also like, whoa, there's a lot of blue goo yes. coming out of people right now. Oh yeah. Yeah, so much. And because we hold such a big space, you know, it's 2,500 square feet. Um, we have two, you know, yoga studios, one treatment room, and a, a lounge area. We have a large community. And the more people you have, the more diverse perspectives you have, and the more, I don't want to say mental instability, <laughs> but, you know, things, things come up. And there was a lot of mental instability triggered by the pandemic. So to have to hold space for all of that and having young babies at home, you know, Aiden was eight months old when the pandemic started. And Allison's son was a little older than that. So we were definitely juggling a lot. But what was also interesting, though, is like we made it through 2020. We're like, made it through 2020. We're, you know, we're doing fine. We're still here. Everything's flowing. 2021 is going to be great because we could be open, you know. And what we found in 2021 was that the attendance was still really low because people were terrified. Like the fear was still so deeply embedded. And to think about being in an enclosed space with people outside of your household doing deep breathing, inhale, exhale. It's like, no, this is like the antithesis of what 
we've been told is, is safe. So we were a little shocked that 2021 was more challenging in some ways because we'd staffed up, you know, we have all of our front desk staff working and all of our teachers working. And so, you know, we've kind of ramped up, but yet people are not quite there. We found the exact same thing. I thought, I didn't think the pandemic was over, but I thought the hard part was over. Now people who wanted to be vaccinated could be, but 2021 was super, super hard. And 2022 is not that much easier. I have to say from my perspective, what do you think? Yes, we're doing much better in 2022, but we're having to work really hard. Like, you know, all of the front end work you do as a, as a business owner so that you can coast <laughs> and kind of sit back. We're, we're not going to be there for a few more years, honestly, because it's like we have to be so on top of everything every month and looking at trends and where to put our energy and, you know, which areas need to be lifted or elevated because it's a whole new world. All of the the systems and like the like the the calculations that we had been made over the last how many years were like, okay, this time of year we can expect this much, and these are the expectations and projections. None of that matters. So you have to like be so on top of everything and then be able to pivot on a dime according to what's happening now, because there's no precedent for where we are at this moment in time. And I would also add that we're exhausted from pivoting and being on time and juggling all the balls. And I think a lot of us haven't made enough money to sustain during the last couple of years. So the world needs us now more than ever. And we are being pushed to the max to really dig into what is my Dharma and why am I here? And can I do this on my own or with my team, you know? So that, that kind of leads me to something you and I had just talked about a few minutes ago before we got on. And that is you're kind of looking at a strategic shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tell us about oh. this repositioning of yourself. Cause I think, you know, the main point of this podcast is to get anyone listening, some ideas, if they're stuck in the same place as you, or if they've had similar challenges, like, how are you even thinking about this repositioning and this strategic shift? So go for it. All right. Thank you, Amy. And it's funny because like, I really like question sharing this because it, it hasn't happened yet. We're sort of in like the, the fertile void of just reviewing and refining and putting our energies in this, this new direction. But because the COVID pandemic gave us pause for everything of like, okay, where are we now? And what does this new world look like? And I know a lot of studios they went out of business, like 40%, I believe. And so there's always the question of like, well, do we have a physical space? Do we just go online? You know, there's a lot of very successful teachers and yoga therapy training programs that just do online. They do wonderful work. It's very impactful. It's accessible. It's powerful. And so you have to entertain every possibility of a new reality. But for Allison and I, we found being away from our community, like away from like our prana vortex we had created, it it actually didn't feel good for us. That for us, when we got to step back into our space, like we have these lanterns from Turkey and Morocco and these doors from the 1800s from Rajasthan, where you feel like you're going back in time to a retreat. Like it, it, it heals us just as much as it heals the community, you know? And so to actually step into that space, it's a reminder of who we are you know, out of the home, out of the householderness, out of, you know, the chaos of toddlerhood. And that's our gift to the world. The fact that we can own and operate and successfully manage a space for community. 
is what I want to give to the world. And the fact that people need this more than ever now because of the isolation of COVID, because of the amount of time we're spending on screens and less time in, in the real world, that people need this more than ever and they're craving this. So with that said, we have our, our leash through the end of 2023 and we're thinking, well, what does, what's a long-term sustainable vision look like for us? Because we we're in a, a very high-end retail center. It's gorgeous, but I don't know that that's going to sustain us for the next you know, 5, 10, 20, who knows how many years. And so we've been looking around at what are the options in our area? And I've been looking beyond us nationally of who do we want to be like and what type of model do we want to pursue? And a great opportunity has presented itself for us. There's the great park in Irvine. I don't know how many acres, hundreds or thousands of acres have been designated for a large park and they're doing different partnerships. So they're housing nonprofits and some private companies, but I've been working with the city and the county to make that our next location. And throughout that, these conversations, it's become evident that it makes sense to position ourselves as a nonprofit because we're more likely to get these contracts with the city or the county to provide these public services, which we are. You know, it's a public health benefit, it's an education benefit, it's a community benefit. I mean, we check so many boxes. And so after many months of meditating upon this, this has become our new strategic plan is to transition into a nonprofit in 2024 find a space in like a really nice partnership that can have a lower overhead and the fact that then we can apply for grants we can do more work with underserved at-risk communities we can provide scholarships for our yoga therapy training programs because we want to do this forever we want to have a space that's there for 50 years and a nonprofit is sustainable the board of directors you know our, our sons could end up running this someday and, and i look at you know kripalu they've been there for over 50 years they're a nonprofit and they own their own land. So Naropa is a nonprofit, Esalen's a nonprofit. So if you look at these larger institutes, this is a method that works well. So this is the, the new direction that we're going. And I thought it was important to share, even though we're not there yet, we're still in the early phases and it, it, it may not manifest exactly like we think at this point, and that's okay. But to share this with other yoga teachers, yoga therapists, yoga studio owners, so that they can position themselves in a way for sustainability and longevity. I just think it's so such a great idea. I'm hearing actually quite a few studios and training programs that are going this way because the truth is we, we maybe can pay ourselves or maybe not. I mean, it, it just kind of depends on the program, but we aren't really making a ton of profit anyway. And we're all giving like, I don't know about you, but I give 40 to 50 or more hours a week to this, right? It, it's like your life force just pours out into it. It really should be a nonprofit. Yes. We haven't thought about that yet, but I can imagine, you know, right now we are an LLC, but as we move into some of the partnerships we're looking at, it actually, they might ask us, hey, if you're a nonprofit, it's going to be much easier for us to do the grants and the scholarships and the funding and the less expensive rent. Yes. So it checks all the boxes. Yeah. And I'd never thought of it until we started looking at space options and just starting to open up dialogue with the cities, the counties, these different organizations. Say, so, well, we don't we really we don't really work with for-profit companies. So I was like, oh, okay. And then the more we started to do the research and dig in, it's like, ooh, this makes sense. This has a lot of benefits for us. And you can still make a salary. 
you can still make a good salary and you can you can fundraise and there's reduced overhead. So I think it would be a much more strategic business model mm. for yoga studios, yoga therapy, training programs, and anyone doing work in the community. I mean, I actually, I found a lawyer on upcouncil.com. So mm. you know, Upwork is a great place to find contractors if you're looking for you know, marketing or accounting and then upcouncil is legal. So you can put out a project and a bid and then people, there's a lot of different price points and you can find one that works for you then go through that process. So in your best case scenario, what, what would it look like? Or are you just still not quite gelling it yet? Oh, no, I see it. We see it. Allison and I talk about it all the time. We actually found the building. We found the perfect building in the great park and it's building 280. So we really were um, working with the city to get us to give us this building and has high ceilings. And it's like right by the park and has this big outdoor courtyard and Mm -hmm. it's only being used as like an art studio. And there's this empty, it's an empty building and they're running a couple programs in it. They're like, Oh, a chess class or a debate class. Like, I'm like, we can fill that. You know, we have, you know, 60, 80 classes a week. We've got trainings and workshops and events. So we have the building. We just have to convince the city that, that we need to be there. Would they sell it to you or is it a rental type thing? So we found that there's, so there's a few different ways to go. Like Be Well OC is a nonprofit and they provide all the mental health services for the county, but they're huge. They're huge and very well funded. So they actually acquired 23 acres at the Great Park and they're building out a full campus. So mm-hmm. Be Well is building out and paying for the bill, but then they have no rent. It's like a dollar a year, something like that. So maybe we pay yeah. for the build out, which is, it's already a building. We just have to remodel it. Then we don't have rent. You know, yeah. or we can do a rental agreement. I don't know. So there's a couple options with that. But our, our bhavana would be to to maybe expand a little more. We have our still our two studios. Alice and I really want to have a kitchen. Mm. We'd love to have a teaching kitchen where we can have teas and kitchery, cooking classes, and have a big whiteboard and and have like a classroom so we can have our, our yoga therapy trainings as well as our group classes. So space wouldn't be an issue because if we can get a little bit more space for less money, there's so many more possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds beautiful in nature. It's just, it sounds amazing. And I think, you know, getting out of the normal way of thinking, you're, you're a very intuitive person, but you're, you're also, you think outside the box, you find solutions, you're a real go-getter, but there's a, an openness to you to say, okay, divine presence what do you have for me? How, how can you help me and us move through this COVID maze? And I think it's beautiful. Oh, thanks Amy. And that's what it takes. And we're just so blessed that we have access to these, these ancient teachings that mm-hmm. give us tools to can regulate our, our energy, to focus our mind, to reflect upon our values, what's important to us because COVID has just been this great opportunity for everyone to reflect upon how you're living, where you're putting your time and energy. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to let that thing go. That wasn't serving me, but this is what really lights me up. And so how do I, I put more in that area and magnify it and perhaps visualize something that doesn't exist yet because this whole new world is different now. So why not dream big and thank God for Bob now. It works. It really does work. And how, how do you keep yourself in that positive mind space that you've had all these difficulties throughout the last few years, but you're still in a space of positivity and building a bhavana and maybe it could be better than it's even been prior. Like how do you, cause a lot of people just throw in the towel and give up and say, I can't. Yeah. 
So there's there's many layers to that, to kind of developing, fortifying, maintaining the shadha, you know, our faith, our confidence. So you have obviously the internal work of your morning practices and getting clear and writing things out, having those reminders of where you're going, remembering the future, as Robert says. And then Allison, thank God for Allison. She's like my business partner, life partner. We're on this journey together and we both have the same vision. And we're like, yes, we've been on this together through the ups and downs. We see the future and we both can like validate like, ooh, yeah, that resonates. That feels right for us. Because, you know, when you're by yourself, it's like, ooh, is that the right choice? That The doubt creeps in. And I don't know, can we really do that? But when you have someone that's like right there with you, and walking the same path as you. And then we know that we can, we can accomplish more together. Like we're the heart of our organization and we have an awesome team and then there are our teachers and then it kind of ripples out from us. So as long as we are aligned and we feel that we can lift each other up. And then the third piece, which I'll share is, is the community and the connection. I was teaching on Monday night at my studio and I had a woman come after class and say, Katie, you're saving my life. This place is saving my life. I came here and I was so stressed and I was carrying such a load from work and it's gone now. After that experience of being here and the lights are dim and the music and transforming the senses and regulating the nervous system, it means magic. What we do in the space that we can create transforms people and people need this. And so those little things that we get to hear every day that we walk in and step into our space reaffirms why we do this because humanity needs this more than ever now. Yeah. I keep telling our students, you know, it may appear that we are crazy sitting here studying yoga during these really challenging times. Like maybe it's a luxury, but I I choose to think differently. I think we are doing something that really matters for ourselves and for others. And like you said, the world needs us. So it's not a luxury. It's, it may be, something that we have to do it's it's with it deep in our hearts in our in our svadharma absolutely and um you know looking back at when these vedic teachings were created you know how many ages ago when we were living in balance with nature and harmony and humans were living longer and just the the vibration and the connection of really seeing the the magic of this world that we get to live in and how we've been, we've lost that over time. And here we are in the Kali Yuga and Dharma is standing on one leg, but the world has been corrupted. People are so sick. We're disconnected from our bodies. We're poisoning ourselves with our food and the air that we breathe and the thoughts that we're thinking and what we're taking in through our senses that it's like, whoa, the sea that we're swimming in is very, very polluted. So I honestly feel like I'm just so blessed that I have accessed and I found this stream of wisdom teachings, this, this river that you know, spans how many you know, millennia. And so I find it an honor and a privilege that I get to walk this path and share it. And that's where it comes from. It's, it is a duty. This is a duty. Because right. it's, we don't want to let this river you know, trickle and dry up. Let's magnify it. Yeah. So with that, if you do reposition yourself, you're really interested in building partnerships. You had mentioned one Savanti Institute, which is basically Ayurveda teachings. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe some of the different partnerships that you're, you're starting to cultivate or have cultivated? Sure, Amy. 
And that's been really important to us when we opened our studio in 2013 is let's get out of the studio, into the communities, bring yoga into communities that may not have access to it. So it's been important to us to do this from day one. We've worked with various nonprofits in Orange County, Hogue Hospital here in 2016. We started working in their mental health department, providing classes in English and in Spanish for free to underserved and at-risk community members. We've worked with federally qualified health clinics, and we've been working with UCI since 2020. So those are more of like the, the external, like community-based programs. And I found it really advantageous to, to build these, these fruitful relationships with organizations. And this last year, we've extended that to our internal training programs. You know, I went to the Savanti Institute, James Bailey is my Ayurvedic teacher, and I just loved it. The first few minutes I was in class, I was like, oh, this is so good. This is just what I need right now. And I was really there just as a student. Like, I just want to do this just for me. But then, of course, after doing like the whole level one training, I'm like, we need to bring this to our community. So how do we do this? So now we've uh, brought in the Savanti Institute's offerings under our teacher training umbrella. So all of his trainings are virtual. So we have level one, level two, level three, Ayurveda training. Perhaps we are expanding in the further future, working with, you know, Arun to be that bridge to perhaps merge our schools, our alchemy yoga therapy training program with Savanti Institute to be able to offer the Ayurvedic yoga therapy certification, which I think is really important for many yoga therapy schools to consider. Yeah, absolutely. And we've done the same that basically you can take our 800 plus hour training, but then there's an additional year that with Anjali Deva that hopefully could be what helps people certify to become an Ayurvedic yoga therapist. And I think that's what you're talking about. Yes, correct. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm meditating on. I, I don't, I think we're going to take a year off next year. That's the plan from running a yoga therapy training. We've done mm -hmm. six cohorts, six years in a row of you oh. know, 850 hour trainings. And so given that we are hopefully moving to a new space and mm -hmm. let's give ourselves a breather and yeah. focus on this transition. But I also want to, I want to reimagine our training offerings into more of like a, like a course catalog, like a university style, maybe semesters so that mm -hmm. students can come in, right? So they can come in do Ayurveda level one, or they can do just like the, the Anamaya musculoskeletal, or they can wait to do the practicum in its own course. Because right yeah. now the way our yoga therapist training is you do the 300 hour level one, then you get on the train for level two and it doesn't stop for level two, level three practicum. And we're finding students in different situations of how much they can absorb and how much time they have and how ready they are. So that's something also to consider for longevity. If we're going to do this for 50 years plus, how do we take everything we offer, maybe organize it in a way that's more digestible for yeah. the community. And then one more piece I want to add to that is I'm asking Robert to build out a coaching certification for mm. us. I know you mentioned years ago, you're like, Katie, you guys should do a health coaching program. And this is what Robert does with positive psychology, the sutras and coaching. So why not have like a natural health institute that offers yoga therapy trainings, you know, Ayurveda trainings, health coaching, and then we can pull in other specialties under our nonprofit. <laughs> okay. So 
as a mother of a young child, I don't think you're slowing down, Katie. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not, but it's just, just you know, I'm waking up earlier and going to bed earlier. I go to bed with my son at like 8 30, 9 o'clock at night. That's the key to my success. It is. They wake up early. I completely agree. But, so, but, you know, I'm going to share though, I may have these, you know, big ideas. I love, I love the big picture thinking, but I've also learned just really take time, take time, do it right. You know, plant your little seeds in the garden, tend to these, water these, then go over here. Yep. So you're visualizing the long term, but you're making sure that your day-to-day, you know, practices and where you put things is still sustainable. You know, that's exactly what we're doing too. We just started a pilot program with the Veterans Administration where we're going to train yoga therapists for them. And all the students are like, well, what does that mean? And what does that look like? And what's the end product? And we're just like, this is going to take a little time. We're doing a pilot. We're starting it in January and we know the direction we're headed, but literally it's going to take two to four years to manifest this. It's just a little teeny idea right now that is going to grow and challenges are going to come in and derail us. And then we're going to try something else. And I don't think any of us can say where it is we're going to land, but we can say we have the heart and the passion to continue this work and give it our best shot. Really? I mean, that's all we can do, right? That's right. Especially when you're doing large programs like that, you understand it's like an elephant to be slow. And we found that working with UCI. We started working with our integrative health Institute in 2020 and I'm working under the director of mindfulness. And we just to work within such a large, large entity. I mean, they're through the state of California and it's, we've been running virtual yoga therapy classes on a weekly basis as well as one-on-one in the clinic and we've been trying to get a registration software to run these classes for over two years but nothing checks all of the requirements for the entire uc system so you start you there's something so small like that like oh yeah we'll just get my body online or some sort of just plug in and you can just buy a software these larger entities like there's you have to go through like legal and procurement and securities and this and banking. It's like so many departments to to get one thing done. It's been taking us two years and it's a barrier to expanding our programs, which we're, we're really working so hard to do. So yes, patience is very important. And just knowing that if you are going to kind of move mountains, it's It's brick by brick. How is it going to uh, run the programs online for UCI? Are people interested in attending online or are more people wanting to just, I want to see you in person. I can't take this isolation anymore. Yeah. What's interesting is that we, we got the contract with UCI before the pandemic and they had just opened a new clinic in Newport beach. And they actually built out like a yoga studio fitness room where they wanted us to be providing in-person classes to the community as part of their integrative clinic. But then COVID happened so we offered them online three yoga for well-being, very general classes, and they were free for the community under a certain funding and grant initiative. And they've been growing and growing and growing. I mean, Amy Harper's leading three of the classes and Megan McCarver's leading another class. And we have like 25 people in the class on Zoom and we're really seeing some good outcomes. So we're, we're not assessing as much right. as we, we are. We're doing virtual classes as well for like stress or for sleep, like six-week health education yoga therapy mm-hmm. programs. And we're able to do pre-test, post-test, look at change over time. But we're finding that people are really resonating with the virtual model in this particular application because they've never 
have the group class experience versus okay. in my studio over here at Be The Change, right. people are used to the physical in-person group class. And then the, the live stream becomes like, eh, you know, it's not the same. Yeah. I think you're right though. And I think, you know, this population that might be elderly or not as well, it's really hard to get in the car, drive across town, you know, get yourself into the building, sit down, do the class and then reverse all that. Right. I think the, the model for yoga therapy actually is really great online. So many people feel comfortable online. What's interesting is our third cohort was in their practicum when COVID happened. So we then had to adjust so they could start providing one-on-one yoga therapy online and have a supervisor watching and observing the sessions. And we found that was, that worked really well. Yeah. You know, because the supervisor's right there, they're off camera, they can see everything. You can get a feel for the person in their home and some other things that might be going mm-hmm. on. And so the one-on-one yoga therapy virtually has been really wonderful. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think getting really refined in what people and what types of people need, which types of classes, there are people that want to be cooking the kitchery with you at, at this new place. And then there's other people that are like, no, I really don't want to leave my house, you know? So what would you say about Bhavana and Svadhyaya? Like you clearly have a very clear perception of what you want and where you're going, even though it may not end up exactly how you're seeing right now, but tell us about Bhavana and Svadhyaya and how, how you go about that process for yourself to know where to navigate. So thinking about the concepts of Bhavana and Svadhyaya, they really go hand in hand. You have to have a personal practice where you are self-reflective, where you cultivate a space, a time and space to look within, to get clear, to develop a sattvic mind, and to really get to know the deepest essence of who you are as a soul in this body, in this lifetime, and what you are called to do. What lights you up? What are your unique gifts that you have to share with the world? And the more often that you do that, the more often that you return to your mat, your meditation cushion or nature or whatever your your sacred space and connection practice is, it's like it becomes clearer and clearer. And that little voice gets louder and louder. And if we know that the light just gets brighter and brighter and it starts to burn away the the mala, the, the fears, the doubts, the residue. And then when we are presented with obstacles, you know, it's like they're they're easier to move past. It's like no, because my my bhavana is so clear. So that's the second piece of the equation, right? It's like the first piece is the svadhyaya, the, the self-knowing of just who you are, what you want to do in this lifetime. And then the second piece of that is to be able to, to translate that into, into your lovable future. What do you see yourself? How can you manifest your perfect career, perfect lifestyle, relationships? And I was fortunate enough to start honing these skills in my 20s. When I would work with my teacher, Bob and a Bob, that's why they call him that. That's his main tool. And to have someone in front of you, this is where the therapeutic relationship is so important because they can ask you these questions that you might not have asked yourself. And then, then that little voice that maybe was muffled can start to find the voice and start to come out. And then when you vocalize, like, this is what I really want. It's like, it could be shocking, but it's also powerful and it's so empowering. 
And when you, when you're able to start to clarify what you want, think about it, vocalize it. And then for me, I, I write things down. I have, a, I have so many whiteboards. I have so many pieces of paper because I don't want to forget these insights and these things that are important to me. So I have whiteboards places. I have so many notebooks and markers. And then this turns into your bhavana and you start to align your actions in that direction. And when you tell people about it, it gains that momentum and then people want to help you and support you. So we found that in opening our, our studio back in 2013, having the bhavana of a physical space and all of a sudden the universe just sent us the right people. We know one of my yoga therapy clients was CEO of a large scale construction company. And he's like, sure, Katie, I'll build your studio. You know, I met a guy in LA that's like, I import furniture from India, Bali, Thailand, and Morocco. I'll give you wholesale. You know, that's the best part about this is that when you're not shy about it, when you can kind of stand in your, your confidence and say, this is, this is the future we're working to create. And you start to vocalize it. It carries that momentum and it vibrates out, which is why you know, I wasn't sure if I wanted to share our new vision here, but this is, this is what helps us. This is what helps bring it to life. The more we talk about it, the more we nurture it, and then we can start to pull it into our reality so that it eventually becomes our reality. I love what you're saying that, you know, everything starts very subtly as just maybe a feeling or a sensation and then a aha moment of clarity. And then wow, could that work? Maybe we should look at this new park area they're building out. And then, you know, like one thing rolls into the other, into the other. And then, as you said, supportive people come along. I think in those really early stages of bhavana, when it's just that very subtle feeling inside, people don't believe in that. They don't think that means anything. Oh, that's just a dream. I'm not going to, I can't do that. You know, but I think you're really good at nurturing it from the very, very most subtle beginning and just letting it spiral and go and go and go until, wow, look what we did, you know? So any secrets for that very early time where there is nothing to be seen from the outside? Mm, yeah. Have a personal practice and have a teacher. Mm -hmm and have things that remind you of the direction that you're going, you know, yeah. um, create visual representations of what it is, whether that's a vision board or you're, you're writing things, or there's a Pinterest, you know, thing on your phone and find I something, some, something somewhere that becomes a tangible visual representation of what you're, you're trying to cultivate of your innermost desires. Cause if it just stays in our minds yeah. over time, it kind of gets convoluted or we forget or the vrittis go in a new direction. And then we lost that previous vritti. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to find a mechanism to, to take what's the important vritti, what's the stream that we want to nurture in the future, put it some, into something tangible so that we remember. We can keep right. coming back to it. And then again, Allison, she's like my accountability buddy to have an, an external person on your team, a partner that you can say, yeah, let's do it. Let's keep moving things forward with this momentum. So you have that accountability in action. You know, I've always wanted to ask you this. How do you and Allison keep such a healthy relationship? Because I think a lot of people, when they get under stress, like everyone's been under in COVID, they just say, oh, we can't do it anymore. Let's get divorced. <laughs> Not that you're married, but, you know, metaphorically. Well, sometimes. How, what is the key to your success with your partnership? 
I'm so glad that you asked that, Amy, because that's something that we're really proud of and that we really work on. Before we opened our studio, we said, we are going to run our business according to yogic principles. All of the communication within our staff is going to be honest and kind and direct, and there's going to be no residue and no mala in our relationships. If you have a problem with someone, you go right to them. You do not talk to other staff about it. So if I have a teacher that's constantly coming in late to class, we address it right away. And we also would address things outside of our physical space. So we would keep our space clean and sacred. And if there's situations that need to be brought up to the surface, we go outside, we're clear and with compassion and direct. Here's the expectation. Here's the request. So lots of requests, lots of praise, lots of direct communication. And we've also learned in managing a lot of teachers and a lot of staff over many years that if there's something that's bothering us where we kind of like, <laughs> like bitch to each other about like, oh, that person do this again. It was, don't do it to each other. We have to go directly to them and do it in a clear, honest way with the requests. And then we can just remove the residue because we don't want to carry the residue on our hearts and our minds. We don't want to have residue in that relationship with our staff at all. So we go through it, we clear away the residue, and then we move forward. And we've been so successful in our company that way. And Alice and I don't fight. We don't fight. You know, when we, we teach, we have a shorthand. And when one person's getting a little, like I was getting hangry the other day, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm kind of hangry. Just, you know, okay, give her some space. But that's part of the, the software. Feed her. <laughs> Feed me. Like when she was cooking the kitchen and it was not going fast enough. And I was like, <laughs> but th that's a part of being self-aware. It's like, okay, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. I'm a little depleted. Okay, great. I'll be tender with you. You know, so to be able to just share what's happening internally and then, you know, support each other, like, hey, take some time off or I got you covered or do this or have someone step in for you to have that fluidity. And we were actually just talking yesterday. We took our sons to the pumpkin patch. And like, mm -hmm. we hang out all the time. You think that we wouldn't, we get sick of each other. You know, we, I said, Allison, what would you do if we had like $10 million? You know, we could do anything. What would be your bhavana? And she said, I would do exactly what we're doing now. I would, we would have our, our, you know, our center in the great park and be beautiful. And then we would hire, you know, we'd magnify our team. I'd have a great person for marketing. We'd have people that could be stepping in for us more often and then being able to do more retreats, four times a year retreats. And that's pretty much what we have now, just, you know, elevated a little bit to have the extra support and yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I think even with all, all that you've said, I, I agree with it. And I've watched the two of you in action actually doing it, but it's actually much harder than you think. And this is why so many yoga partnerships end up breaking up because someone isn't willing to do that self-awareness exercises. And they're not self-aware enough to know that they're hangry and they're about to say something that they really have no business saying out loud, or it is so tempting to have juicy gossip. You know, we, we had a similar thing in our organization. And so last year I basically made uh, faculty and staff evals mm -hmm. where I'm, I'm going to actually rate you on how much you're gossiping. If, yeah. if that's what we hear or how direct your communication is yet kind, like yeah. we have a rating scale and I give them a number and I give them examples of things that have happened this year that did or didn't work or this went really well and keep doing that or this this is not going to support us long term and 
I really feel like our whole organization took a, a step up. The people who decided to stay around and participate in this, because not everyone wants to, yeah. I feel like it just made everyone more solid and, and more trusting because we know that the expectation is if you have a problem with someone, you go talk to them within 72 hours. Right. You I know? love that, Amy. That's a beautiful practice. And it's funny because yeah. these things like, it's the stira, you know, you need mm. to have like the structures and so everyone feels safe and we're clear on the expectations within the organization and having the sukha, the ability to flow within it. I understand the parameters and those checkpoints are, are just so important just to clear away the residue, bring things to the surface and everyone's on the same page. Right. Yeah. They loved it. They were like, this is great. We want to know what we're doing well and we're not doing so well. We want to know clearly what are the expectations, you know? So I, I think it's great. And I've always seen you as kind of a natural leader in that way. Like you're really good at leading a, a pretty large team to be very direct and kind and stay on, on goal and really talking about your mission, like this bhavana that you have now, as you start to share it with people, you're going to get everybody on board thinking in the same direction and here we go. And we're on this path together. I, I think it's one of your greatest gifts, Katie. Thank you. Amy. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. And it's something that for me, it just comes naturally. This is, yeah. and that's what's so lovely about when we find our gifts is the things that we just do yeah. and um, just allowing it to flow from us. And I don't know, I, I think my teachers, I think my teachers and the practice were giving me the courage to do big things. We yeah. say, all right, even though it's a big thing, if we just take it vinyasa krama, one right. baby step at a time, and we have a little clarity and awareness. And even if we enter into a sticky situation, like, oh, that's really sticky. Okay, maybe I gotta take a couple steps back before responding, you know, a couple of days before responding to that email, which I'm not perfect at. You know, I've definitely you know, had a few of those <laughs> in the past, but that's that's how we learn. And that's like the fun part of being human. And I love what, what Ram Dass says. He says that when we're on the spiritual path, the first part of it, we draw upon our strengths, you know, our ability to show up and meditate, our ability to, you know, practice like Vaidagyam. But then if you continue on long enough, then your weaknesses become your practice. Like, Ooh, that one got me. <laughs> That's it. That's where my work is. And so whether it's running an organization or a team or programs or yourself or being a mother, it's like, this is the Leela. This is the dance. This is like the karmic dance. I'm like, you know what? It's all just part of the cosmic game. So when you, you step out and you just look at this from like that, you know, 10,000 foot view, just like have fun with it all. It's wild and it's messy, but it's exciting. And you know, we're, we're co-creating with the universe and we're co-creating with each other. And a lot of times it's going to be flow and excitement and feeling good. Other times it's going to be challenging and sticky and you're like, all right, that's my practice. How am I going to get through this one? And so if you just keep coming back to the wisdom teachings, it's like you're the North star that just guides you through no matter what comes your way. Yeah. Well, I think that is a beautiful thought to end our time together on. So thank you for coming. Where can we find you? Are you, what's your website? What's your Instagram handle? How, how can we get in touch with you? Thanks, Amy. So be the is our website for the studio. Be the Change Yoga OC is Instagram. 
and uh, Katie Allen Yoga is my Instagram. I recently went private. <laughs> I've been like hiding mm-hmm. the last couple years with COVID. Um, but if you're in the yoga therapy community, I will be friends with you. But I don't post much personally. I'm just focusing on the big stuff. Yeah. It's not really about me. Less about me and more about, you know, what we're doing in the world. Thank you so much, Katie. Thanks, Amy. It was so fun being with you this morning. And thank you so much for inviting me and allowing me to connect with the wonderful community you've created on this podcast. So thank you for doing this work and creating this space and magnifying our field and our profession and allowing us to support each other. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our time with Katie Allen today of Be The Change Yoga in Southern California, United States. All that Katie talked about reminded me of the work that we do in our Optimal State Yoga Therapy business course. And it's really hard for each of us to get quiet enough to go inside and really tune into our values. And first and foremost, the vision that we have for our lives. Katie's talking about all of this expansion and all these partnerships. And she is so, so good at that. She's so great at building a community. I, on the other hand, I feel I'm a little bit neurodiverse and I'm very, very much an introvert. And for me, it's much more comfortable to do podcasts and to work one-on-one with people and to limit how many people I have to talk to every day because it's very taxing for me as an introvert. Time alone, thinking, being with myself and being with just one person at a time is just really nourishing to me. And I think that's where the self-analysis comes in. What lifestyle do we want? We can't just say yes to every opportunity. I've had many people offering opportunities. And when I look at what lifestyle I want and what are my gifts and what are my challenges as a human being, it becomes really, really clear that even if it's a great opportunity, I can't say yes to it because it's not for me. It's not within my path and my values and my gifts and my introverted nature. And then other things come along and I'm like, oh, that matches me perfectly. But you have to know yourself and have clarity about the lifestyle you want. You know, I live in a cabin in the woods. The cabin was built in the 1920s. And literally I have bears and raccoons and coyotes and bobcats. And we have tons of animals at our house. I just literally live in nature. All the windows of the whole house look out onto the forest. I don't want to give that up. That is that is the lifestyle I want. And so every choice I make needs to line up with maintaining the lifestyle I want. And so if I were to leave you with one last little bit of advice, that's what I would say is, Determine the lifestyle you want and then build your business and the ways you can be of service to the world around the lifestyle that suits your nervous system and your mind and your family. And it will be really clear what you can say yes to and what you have to say no to. All right. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Please don't forget to sign up for our newsletter mailing list, where we give you a free gift every single week. It's usually something that the guest has been talking about, like a book chapter or an article or an infographic. Check out the show notes for that. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget, we have a new YouTube channel called Optimal State with Amy Wheeler. 
We also have a new Patreon page where you can support us to bring you the most excellent content. And that is Optimal State and the Yoga Therapy Hour Patreon page. Also, you could write us a review on most major platforms that host podcasts. Give us five stars if you appreciate the show and tell us what you love so that we can do more of that. Finally, we support several nonprofit organizations through this podcast. See the show notes to understand how you can help. If you'd like to be a guest or a sponsor for this program, contact us at the email welcome at theoptimalstate.com. Welcome at theoptimalstate.com. And finally, a special thank you to our team here at Optimal State. We are truly a global family. George Mantuan, one of our executive producers. Adam Satchel, senior media producer and sound engineer from the Philippines. Krishna Panchal, a producer from Canada. Modupe Abdullahi, who does the show notes and is an editor for us from Nigeria. And Peter Morley, who wrote and produced the music for this show, who lives in Australia. Find more about Peter's work at www.zenmusic.biz. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.